Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, in our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did, and we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other, so we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody's We need to stop yelling at our kids. Okay. You heard me. Apparently, we have to stop yelling at our kids. We posted an article um, last fall, I think it was, from the New York Times. It was an op-ed piece on our Facebook page. And we started talking about it because we took it to heart and after reading it a couple times. And people are always starting the new year with resolutions like eating healthier or exercising or spending less money. So what about... What about stop yelling at our kids? All right. So in my house, it's not so much the yelling. Um, I have something called the mommy growl. <laughs> the what? The mommy growl. My, my kids call it the mommy growl, but I'll be like, get in the Whoa. car. You mean business. Yeah. You're, you're hot. You're yeah. mad. And they, uh, it's the same thing. It's the tone. It's, it's, it's a threat. It's, um, it's. A punishment, essentially, the way that I'm talking to them, right? as opposed to something positive. But I remember when they were little, and I think it's the tone thing, when they were little, you know, one of them said to me, Mama, why do you always yell at us? <laughs> and I was like, this is not yelling. This is yelling! <gasps> and they were so shocked. They'd never heard So me. in their mind, yelling was your mama girl, this yeah, thing? Yeah. So it's the same thing, but it's a lowering of the voice, getting a dead stare, oh. and saying... Put on your shoes. Well, I wish I could say I had a growl, but I don't. <laughs> I have a full-on yell. Get downstairs! <laughs> I'll, I'll even I'll even come clean that um, there's been times where you know in our how the first floor in the kitchen that wall goes um, all the way up to the all the way up to the third floor. Yeah, and if I'm yelling, I'm like, "Come downstairs! It's time to time to go to whatever." And there's nothing and nothing. I hit the wall. I hit the wall, and and my kids know that, that I mean business. Then do like, they do they scramble when that happens? Uh, I get a I get a I get a quick response. Yes, I usually hear footsteps running down the <laughs> stairs by then. But I I think that um, yelling happens regularly in my house, and it's prob. I understand after reading this article, it's probably. Probably not the best. There was a 2014 study in the Journal of Child Development that demonstrated that yelling produces results similar to physical punishment in kids. Really? That's what it said. Yeah. It like increases anxiety, stress, and depression, which, well, gosh, I didn't mean, I'm not meaning to put that in 
on my kids, right? No, we do, we don't want to increase the stress. We want to have a stress-free environment. And right. That, inv- that involves putting on your shoes and getting in the car. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to call it some stress or anxiety with my screaming. So, right. um I have to say I don't know how I could get expected outcomes in some situations without yelling. Most of the time I'm looking at the top of their head or they're not even in the room with me. So, like they're upstairs in their room because that's a real thing when they get to be older they all just retreat to their bedroom all the time so i'm not even on the same floor with them when i'm trying to communicate with them although so tracy when you are downstairs and they yell down to you like mom can you come here yeah how does that make you feel i come you do i do i go what i go what well i ask i qualify it half the time i think as i'm like what what do you need what's going on right I say, if you want to talk to me, come downstairs. Oh, so do you go upstairs when you're going to get them? When you when you need something? When I need something from them, yes, I, I'll go up and and knock on the door and say, "Can you know, may I come in?" Well, most of my yelling is literally to get them to do like, we have to go to the <laughs> library. Like, like the library's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's like a tutor, or like if oh. we have to go to soccer or whatever. Like, there's a, you know. I'm driven. This is an argument in my house is, a, is being late. It's obviously something that's it's a hot button for me. I hate being late. Right. I prefer being early. Me too. So, um, you know, a lot of times it's yelling to get them to put their, I mean, how many times do I have to tell them to put their damn shoes on in the morning to go to, like, they know it's school starts at the same time every day. The bus comes at the same time. So that just happens. And I have to, I have to say it 500 times. And then by the 500 and the first time I'm like yelling. Yeah. I got to say, there's something cathartic about it, too. Like, you know, when you yell, you release your own stress. I mean, you're putting it on them. Yeah. uh, But you feel a little bit better. We talked about this op-ed piece. Um, So it says that in the 60s, 94% of parents used physical punishment. Like spanking. Yep. And in 2010, that went down to 22%. So he says the decline was because there are more effective ways to change behavior that don't involve violence. Um, and the same rule should apply to yelling. So I think we should figure out what the more effective ways are. Well, that uh, the author, the op-ed person, said that yelling might be the most widespread parental stupidity around today. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, dang, mic drop. Like, for real? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I makes it, he says it makes us look weak, out of control, and definitely not authoritative. And so reading that and... and I was, it made me pause, and I'm like, mm, probably shouldn't. It's a new year. We probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't yell. There's probably a better way to do it. So how are we going to find that out? So we found Dr. Alan Kasdan, a professor of psychology and child psychiatry at Yale, to talk about this. Welcome, Dr. Kasdan. Thank you very much for having me. So parents yell because they're trying to communicate a directive or command, uh, get a behavior out of kids. Why do you think we go to yelling? What, what's the inclination there? Well, uh, parents are very uh, frustrated. They often see no alternative. And uh, and so this is a kind of a feeble effort to try to get some change. Um, and parents do this, but if they if they realize a little bit more about what the what the effects were, they might uh, decrease the yelling a bit. See, the, the two things that are worth mentioning right away is that yelling is not a very effective way of developing behavior. And so there's that part, but there is a way in which yelling is very effective, and that's the surprise. Yelling is very effective in teaching your child to yell, and it, it models the behavior very dramatically, and when your child is 
disciplining his peers or her peers or when the child grows up, it's very likely that they're going to be yelling. And so parents may not keep in mind that they're modeling a behavior. It's not something like sending a message. No, no, it's much more powerful than a message. It's parent modeling of a behavior. So we have parents using something that we know pretty much is ineffective in developing the behavior you want, and it has the effect of teaching children to scream. (laughs) Not things parents would usually want. No. No. I know it's so hard, but I I like to use real-life examples, doctor. And, like, for instance, what I mentioned earlier, how many times do you tell a kid to put his shoes on or or to get to school or go to an appointment? Do we we wait for them? Like, do we say to them, hey, put your shoes on? The the very question conveys the problem. You have to tell the child once. And here's the issue. It's not a matter of how much you tell the child or of yelling. There's a, the key misconception of all of us as humans is that if someone knows how to do something or that if we reason with them, that they will do that. And that's not how all of us work. And so, for example, if you have a partner or spouse, that person knows the things you hate, and it doesn't change. And you're so surprised. Don't be. Don't be. The reason is is that telling people instructions, information, feedback, yelling are very are among the weakest ways to change human behavior. And so it's not a matter of telling the child a hundred times. Once is enough. But the issue is a bigger question. How do you develop the behavior you want? And once you take up that question, there's an amazing set of research studies that give guidance. And in those studies, yelling's not even in there. You say that it's, they know you only have to say it once. So do I just... No, 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 no. No, no, I didn't mean it that way. I meant to say that saying it twice and ten times, it's pointless. Because if you're not getting it the first time, more, more telling doesn't make it more effective. It just makes the parent more frustrated. And you can see that the expression that parents often use. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. <laughs> that phrase... It's something we all do, but it represents a complete misunderstanding of human behavior. And that understanding in this context means when you tell people, that is not an effective way of changing their behavior or building a habit. What would you suggest we do otherwise? Ask them or, or explain? No, that no, we- no. no. I, I, there, there are, there are a, a variety of things. First of all, the key, the, the, if, if either of you plays a musical instrument, you'll understand this really fast. But the key issue is getting the behavior you want repeatedly. And that practice will actually build the habit and change the brain. And you say, well, how do we do that? Well, that's not so hard. What one wants to do is decide exactly what the behaviors are you want in your child. You actually say, I want my child to do this. And rather than punishing the absence, you praise and you develop small segments of the behavior you want. And you praise it whenever it occurs. And if you do that, you build the behavior gradually. You do this on a temporary basis, sometimes two, three weeks. Then you stop, and the behavior's locked in. And so punishing is not going to develop the habit. It will just get the child to escape from you and learn about yelling. And it might get the behavior that one time. If you want that child out the door for this doctor appointment today, maybe the yelling will work. But the yelling will not build the habit of getting ready on time without you saying a word and getting ready and coming down to breakfast and going out the door. Building that behavior is not so hard, but yelling and instructions alone will do nothing but, but, offend, but make everything tense. You promote a program called ABC, Antecedent uh, Behaviors and Consequences. Is that what, kind of what you're talking about? 
Can you explain I it? I am, but 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 I have to I have to I have to hold you a little bit on the word. I'm not promoting it. There is research all over the country and in other countries as well that have evaluated effective ways of changing human behavior. My work happens to be in the context of child behavior, but this has been used for other other applications as well. So it's not so much that I'm promoting. It goes like this. I, if you want to change your child's behavior, there are lots of things that can be done that most of us aren't doing as parents. If you're happy with what's going on, then I'm not promoting anything. But, I want to, but what I can do is convey, here's some research findings about what works. So, for example, when you tell your child to do something, if you do that in a, in a soft tone of voice, if you use the word please, please isn't important, but it changes the parent's tone of voice. Mm-hmm. And if you give the child a choice, I'm just giving you examples, that will greatly increase the likelihood of compliance. So if you point your finger at your child and you say, put on your coat, we're going outside, the tone of voice, the finger pointing, and that phrasing will increase non-compliance. If you go to that same child and you say, we're going outside, please put on your red coat or your green sweater, we're going outside, the likelihood of compliance is so much greater. And why is it greater? Because the antecedents, what came before the behavior, can greatly influence the likelihood of getting the behavior you want. And so that's why when I said telling the child once or ten times or whatever, it's not going to make any difference because you're, you're telling it in such a tone of voice and you're not praising when the behavior occurs. You never build the habit that way. But this other way, and I just gave one little example of antecedents. And and they greatly increase behavior. Another one for a child. You might say to a child, okay, I, a challenge. A challenge is an antecedent that is really good. And a challenge might be like this. Okay, we're going outside. We're going to go in a, in a half hour. <laughs> I, I bet you can't. I bet you can't get dressed and come downstairs in 10 minutes. I bet you can't do that. A five-year-old child just can't do that. When you're bigger, you could probably do that, but not now. Now, by itself, all that does is increase the likelihood that the child will engage in the behavior that he knows or she knows. I know now, my son now, would. He'd be like, challenge right, accepted. Here's, here's the issue. Here, here's the issue. Let's not be too simplistic. That's not enough. When the child comes downstairs doing all of that or part of that, you have to jump on it with a very special kind of praise. It's a very special kind of praise. And if you're not using this praise, it won't do very well. And so this is not just, you know, uh, light uh, you know, like, oh, that's good, you did a nice job. No, no. These things have to be done in a special way. It's not that hard. I have a free online course to show exactly how to do these things. And so, but here we start with antecedents, and now the child comes down, we praise it. <laughs> that's really good. That is fabulous. I can't believe you did that. Touch the child, little hug. And now, well, what have we done? We increased the likelihood that this is going to occur again, and we're going to praise it again. We're going to praise whenever the child listens to you, even if it's not in this particular in particular context. We're going to increase compliance, and the parents can do it. Now, once you do that, the need for yelling is almost all gone. And if you feel you want, you feel better yelling. Wait till your child leaves the home, and then just yell for the heck of it. <laughs> you might be an opera singer. You might you might be a hidden latent opera singer. Who knows? <laughs> Well, you've mentioned something that that's part of the consequences. You know, um, you mentioned the gentle touch. What is what does the touch do to help? So the way, for young for young children, there are three things that make the praise really very effective. These have been studied. This is uh, so, so. One of them is for a young child, the praise needs to be really effusive, and the more effusive, the better. Now, for everyday parenting praise, do what you usually do when you want to change behavior. This is the praise that's needed after the behavior. It should be effusive. Great! Okay? 
most parents think they're good at that. We have to have we have to practice them endlessly to get there. Great first ingredient. Second ingredient, you state exactly what you're praising. I asked you to come downstairs before this time, and you did. That's the second component. And the third component is something nonverbal that suits your style and your child. Might be a pat on the head, a rub on the back. The nonverbal adds to the effectiveness of those other two ingredients. No now, way, again, really. Most parents praise their children and then keep it up. Don't change. Hug your child, praise your child, smile at your child. All that's wonderful. I'm talking about something different. When you want to change child behavior, this is the praise that really makes a difference. And so your parent has to kind of, we haven't, parents even practice this in the mirror. It doesn't come easily or naturally. Yelling, yelling does. Uh, praising doesn't. And so we have to actually practice people. But it's really, it's really rather effective. And it's just not a matter of just some, some other psychologist pontificating about his or her opinion. There's a great deal of research on all of this. Do you think when you say being effusive, like, at a certain for young kids it might work but like by 10 do you think that they think that i'm being over the top no, would no, they so notice no 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 the parents are uncomfortable with it not the child but as a child moves into pre-adolescence the three ingredients are the same but they change so the praise is not so effusive and if it's a child's an adolescent now you go over and you do it privately that was really good and it's so, but you have to do the praise, but it's not so effusive, which would be embarrassing. Some some adolescents will turn their shoulders away from the parent; they don't even want to be touched. So, so one thing is you go over your praise, but it's, it's muted in an adolescent. Secondly, you say you say exactly what it was that was so great. You came in and you you talked about school, and you didn't you didn't say anything nasty to your brother. That was great. And then you do the nonverbal. Now, some teens do not want to be touched at all, so you might just do a high five in the air. Or uh-huh. a thumbs up in, uh-huh. the, in the air. Three ingredients, all important, will have effect on child and adolescent behavior. That's, that's actually interesting because if I did, if I if I did do the over the top thing, my my kids would be totally embarrassed. But our, our kids, doctor, are ten and twelve. We both have ten and twelve year olds at home, so um, they're a little bit older to, to be over the so, top. So I would go with the I would go with the, go over to the child privately and just say that was really really great the way you did that. That was fantastic. You did this and this and this and this and that. And then with a 10-year-old toddler, you might be able to touch. But if you can't, a high five in the air or a thumbs up and then leave and walk away. And don't start doing the thing that we always do naturally as parents, which is called caboosing. And caboosing is when you add something on the end that ruins it all. And it suddenly goes like this. Why can't you always do that? How come I have to keep reminding you? This time was great, but how come you can't be like your sister? She doesn't need all this. Parents. We recommend duct tape if you don't have control. <laughs> guilty, doctor. Wow. I've done We're that. all guilty. We're all guilty. But the, So here's what we do. We train the parents to do the praise the way that will be effective and then to leave the room because we're human too. I mean, we're not robots. We can't be perfection in how we do all this. So leave the room. Do the praise and then leave. Okay. Or if you can't control, if you can't control it, don't start doing the lecturing. The lecturing it doesn't have much of an effect. And it undermines everything you've been trying to do. Well, and it, it, puts your, it pushes your child away. It's not good for the relationship, that kind of lecturing. Sure. Because it has tension. It has tension all over it. And it has pointed fingers all over it, even if they're not really literally pointed. It has, you should, and you didn't, and I'm disappointed. You should, you didn't, and I'm disappointed. Those aren't going to change behavior. They're just going to change your relationship. Makes sense. So you talk about negativity bias. What is that? So this is a really curious but important part. In the, in the, our brain is hardwired to pick up negative things in the environment. Hmm. 
And think for a moment evolutionarily. Think, picture just for a moment, two antelope in the desert, in some savanna, and one's from New York City, and one's from uh, Los Angeles. The New York City one is really alert and aggressive and thinking, and the Los Angeles one is kind of mellow. The California one's mellow. And they're drinking from this pond. And the New York, the New York antelope says, Hey, there could be there could be tigers out there. We could, you know, this isn't so nice. We could be killed any moment. And the California antelope is saying, "Chill. It's a sunny day. There's a pond. It's, this is this is peace. This is beautiful." So go through evolution and think which animal is going to live a little longer and and have more offspring. It'll be the one who is suspicious and who is looking for negative things in the environment. They're the ones that are more protected. Fast forward to humans. Our brain is hardwired to pick up the negative. So your children are watching TV, and they're cooperating, they're quiet, and everything's fine. Your brain doesn't register that. Now they start arguing. You run in there and say, why can't you two get along? I'm going to turn this TV off soon. You two have to learn how to get along. Your brother and sister, come on, cut it out. Well, the technical term for that in psychology is called normal. That is to say, <laughs> that is to say you attend to the negative because that's what our brains are hardwired to do. Now, the key of this approach is that when you want to get rid of some behavior, you decide the positive opposite. What is it the behavior you want to develop? When we, we can build that one up pretty nicely. And once we build that up, the behavior you didn't want is gone. You want your children to stop arguing? You can't yell at them for arguing. That will do nothing. But you can say, run into that room and say, I can't believe it. I was in the room. And you two are sitting here, and you're, you're getting along so nicely. That is fantastic. A little pat on the back of the head, and leave. No caboosing. No caboosing. <laughs> Why can't you always sit like this? How come you never? No, 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 no. None of that. And now what happens is you increase the likelihood of cooperative behavior. Okay? And so a parent has to be attuned to what is it that I want to develop in my child. Whenever I see any signs of that, I'm going to jump on that and praise it. And when it doesn't happen, I'm not going to run over and say, you know, you didn't do this tonight. You didn't do that. You... No, no, no. No, no, no. Focus on what, on what you want to develop. That will build habits. If you punish a behavior, that doesn't build habits. That just suppress the behavior momentarily. If you yell at a child, it might get the child to get out the door on time that one day. But it won't build habits at all, except the habit of yelling at other people. I know, but we're... <laughs> Doctor, like getting getting them out the door and, and somewhere on time. So does that mean that there's going to be times that we're just, I'm not going to yell no, and we're just going to be late? We'll no, just be no, late? No, no, Here, here's, here's the way out of that. And this way we've done this thousands, thousands of times. And here, the, the most important concept is repeated practice of the behavior you want. So what we do is we, we go to the child and we say, we're going to have it. We're going to play a, something called a get ready game. They call the get ready game. And here's how it works. I'm going to ask you to get ready. You're going to be in your room, and you're going to pretend to get dressed, or you actually will get dressed. And if you can do that, you'll get a point if you want to do a point, or let's see if you can just do that. Okay? Now you play this game, and then you say to the child, antecedents. Okay, we're going to start the game. Let's practice once. I'm going to say, get ready, and uh, please get ready, and you're going to put all these things on. And if you do, you'll get a point, and we'll use these points for some rewards of some kind. Now, uh, it's only a game, so you can't make a mistake, so don't wait. Okay, let's, let's practice one. You lean over and you smile. There's no tension of the morning. You're, this could be a Saturday. You're not going to school. You lean over and smile. Okay, let's see if you can get dressed now. And you can have the child put on two pieces of clothes or just pretend to. And then now the child does it, and you say, I can't believe it. 
Did you play? Did you play this game before? That was fantastic. <laughs> you you got ready and you just did it really quickly and after, right after I said it, and then you do a high five or whatever, depending on the age of the child. And now you say, you know, that was so good the way you did that. I, you know, you know what? Tomorrow let's do it again because I, I don't think you could do it twice in a row. No ten year old could probably do this twice in a row. What happens now with that challenge? The ten year old says, I can, I can do, I can do it twice in a row. No, no. Uh, if you're you know older, you probably could, but not. I can do it. I can. Do, okay, okay. Let's practice it one more time. Now, what are we doing here? The number of times one practices is the way one learns the behavior. It's like piano playing. Yep. And so. So now here's what here's how this works. You do this once a day for a couple of days or a few days. We research doesn't tell how long it has to be. And our experience has been one to three weeks. But here's what happens: outside of the game, the child gets ready on something on time. You run over to that child and say, "We weren't even playing a game, and you got ready all by yourself on time. I can't believe it!" And you praise that. And what happens now over time? is that not much time, the child engages the behavior more, it gets locked in as a habit, you've praised it, you've praised it outside of the game, and then pretty soon you kind of just drop the game, and and then this never comes up again. So we need a positivity bias. (laughs) Exactly right. That's said perfectly, but we don't have it. Yeah. So we have to train it. We work very hard with parents to get them to do that and to get all of us to do that. That's not how we, and also it's in spouses, you know, or or it's in almost all parts of our life. You have 400 stocks and they're all doing well, but one isn't doing very well. Oh God, this was, what a horrible thing. Or your day was really pretty good, but you had this one annoying thing. Oh God, my day, what a horrible day I had today. And that's called, again, that's called normal. But when trying to change child behavior, if you just focus on the negative, you won't get the behaviors you want. So, doctor, so, you know, in in today's households, uh, screens are a a huge thing. So I'm often looking at the top of my kid's head or don't have their full attention if they're watching a show on Netflix or, you know, on their phones or whatever. How, How do I communicate in those situations other than I have gotten, you know, gone upstairs into their room and looked them in the eye and said, hey, it's time to go or something like that. But honestly, it's pretty difficult to get their attention. Well, here's, it's not that difficult. Here's why. There are many times, it's a little bit of negativity bias that's normal. A lot of the time they are looking at you and paying attention. And it would be really nice if one said to them, you know, I, let's say you're telling a story or you're talking about something, and you just might say, i got to stop myself. You are paying such amazing attention when I'm talking to you. This is really great. Touch, touch the arm, shoulder, leg, you've praised, you said good, and then go back. What, what is, if you want attention, you want better listening, you have to praise it and identify it when it occurs. Otherwise, it's not going to happen unless you have the most interesting story in the world. <laughs> True. That and makes that's sense. hard to do, competing with, with, the, with the Internet and all that. So, so if there's a, first, the first step in all of this is, to, is asking the parent, what is it you want in your child? And if they say something, I want the child to stop doing X, we say, no, 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 no. Flip it around. What would you want in the child in, in place of that behavior? If you could have the child do something in place of that negative thing, what would it be? That's called the positive opposite. We can develop that behavior in such a way that the one you want to get rid of is no longer there. I Your child a- screams in the house all the time, and you keep saying, stop screaming, stop screaming. Well, when you say stop screaming, you're modeling screaming, so forget about even trying that one. Yeah. But now the child's not screaming every minute. The child's not screaming, talking nicely. And then you run over to the child and say, 
look at you. Look how nicely you're talking. This isn't screaming at all. This is really great. Then you leave. Duct tape over your mouth. <laughs> leave the room. So, so what happens is that as parents, we normally, because of the negativity bias a little bit, we normally are missing opportunities to develop the behaviors that we really want that will build habits. Once we build the habits, you don't need any of this praise business. This is a temporary, temporary tool to get a permanent change. And, and yelling is a permanent way to get no change. I have a question about, so when often in the car, my two kids will be uh, in the back seat and they'll, someone will pick a fight. And I will just say, stop it. I don't want to hear the fight uh, because I, I don't think it's helpful to them and, I, and, it, and it bothers me. What's a better way to derail that? Sure, there, there, there are a, a plethora. One of them would be you get in the car and you say, okay, we're going to play the no fight game today. <laughs> No, this is this is serious. It's effective. There's research on this stuff. We're going to play the non-fight game. So in the car, you guys can fight. Okay, it's okay to fight, but we're going to see if we can go five minutes without fighting. So I'm going to start the timer now. Let's I'll look at the watch, or you can bring a kitchen timer in, whatever. Just start and see if you can go five minutes without fighting. I don't know if you can do it. It's hard. You guys fight. So let's see if you can even make it. Even Who before it happens. Room? Even before, like literally getting in the car and like, what? It's a, what it's if it wasn't even a? It's absolutely. A, you're yeah, planting yeah, the seed. What we're doing? What? You're planting the seed. Like, what if no, they? No, that's a ridiculous idea. Planting the seed only works when you're talking about uh, agriculture. Oh. You don't even think that. <laughs> but you don't even think that. But the nature planting seeds. We're not planting seeds. The seeds are there. They do it already. We're doing this because they don't need seeds. They have the full plant. It's called fighting in the car. <laughs> Forget about seeds. So here's what we want to do, though. We want to go, what's the positive opposite of fighting? Well, let's call it non-fighting. So we're going to get the whole time, a whole long ride of non-fighting. But we want to start out small. It's called shaping. So we're going to take five minutes. And the five minutes goes up, timer goes off. If they fought, you say, well, you guys were close, but we didn't make it this time, maybe next time. Now, if the timer goes off, ding, <laughs> you guys are great. I can't believe you. Have you, have you. Did you come in the car and practice this before? You're too good at this. <laughs> You pray. You you did not fight for the full five minutes. That's fabulous. Give me a high five. Okay. And then now, if there's some special uh, reward you could provide for that, uh, I don't know. It would be you know it'd be maybe a healthful treat at home. It might be uh, points for a charge for activity. It might just be your praise. But if you give some extra incentive, that'd be good. Next time you get in the car, you say to yourself, "Did they do it well for five minutes or no? If not so well, let's do the five minutes again. If no, let's go up to ten minutes." Don't go up too fast. Okay, you guys, you did it well last time. Here's a challenge. Don't know if you can do it. Don't know if you can do it. It's really hard. Ten minutes in the car. Can you do ten minutes? Now, when the ten minutes is up, you say, you guys were great. Now, now after this, now you ignore the fighting as best you can. Okay. Okay. So, so the no fight. that can happen. But if more fighting comes on, you just say, come on, you guys, please cut it up. Be calm. Don't be, keep your voice down. And then just continue your way. We're going to get the behavior you want. It's not going to be in two car rides. Sure. But you do it your way, you're not going to get the behavior you want until they, until they grow up. <laughs> now, so, doctor, so is the no-fight game the antecedent? The no-fight game includes antecedents, behaviors, and consequences. The antecedents, presenting the game, making a challenge, telling them that this is what you want. Those are the They come before the behavior. The behavior itself, we're shaping into small segments. The first just a few minutes, that's the behavior. And the consequences are your praise or some extra incentive. Sure. You know, maybe you could say we're gonna go, we're gonna go out and do this, or we'll stop by that store and and get an ice cream. Uh, we don't use food very much for rewards, but some incentive that they that they work together and do it. But then and then you know you have to have the praise in there that's special. 
Sure. And without the caboosing, it's about time you guys did it. I didn't think you had it in you. You guys are so <laughs> argumentative all the time. No, no, no. Cut it out. Duct tape, duct tape. Uh, and this is this develops here. Pretty soon you can say, we're going to the grocery store. It's going to be about, and you say to yourself, it's 15 minutes. So let's see if going all the way to the store from here to the parking lot, you guys can't fight. And in the grocery store, we're going to pick out one of the cereals you like or whatever. You can each choose what we're going to eat for one dinner. Okay, if, but only if you make it the full, the full ride to the grocery store. You get to the grocery store, you stop the car, and you say, I can't believe you guys made it all the way to the grocery store. This is fabulous. You guys are acting like you're like grown-ups already. Jeez, <laughs> fantastic. High five. Okay, now we're going to go in the store, and each of you can, can choose a dessert for a dinner or something for the dinner or one part of the dinner. Just choose what you want for one meal this week because of what you just did. On the way home, now you guys, we're not playing the fight game, so go ahead. Fight as much as you want. Whatever. Now, isn't that planting the seed? No, it's just the opposite. Now, when on the way home, if they start fighting, you're going to say, you know, you guys, I can't believe it. You made it all this time before you even started fighting. That was good. Now you're done. Or if they come home and they haven't fought, you say, we weren't even playing the fighting game, and you guys got along the whole time. Well, I can't believe you two. I cannot believe you. That's fabulous. Right. Little touch, little pat. You have developed this behavior so much better. You won't be doing this very long. Yeah, that's you're that's not gonna be doing this very long. It's not the case that you're driving them to assisted living and you're going to say, Come on, you two. Can you hear me? I said, Come on, you two, stop fighting. No, come on. It's a very short term program. Grab your walkers and let's get out. That's exactly right. Good job on grabbing your walkers. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, Dr. Alan Kasdan, yeah, professor of psychology and child psychiatry at Yale. Uh, website is uh, alankasdan.com. Thank you so much for uh, educating us. Um, and you, you did a fabulous job, Dr. Kasdan. <laughs> Thank you. And listen, and also, I'm, I'm, I can't, I want to praise you for not yelling at me. That was just really wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, next time I'm at Yale, I'm looking you up. Please do. My pleasure. All right, Have take, a good day. Take Cheers. Care. Bye-bye. So apparently, parents, we have another thing to consider as a New Year's resolution, stop yelling. But it makes total sense. You know, as Dr. Kasdan said, it won't yield the results we're looking for. Try a different form. Identify the positive and reward the positive. The hard part is going to be identifying the positive. Good job, Anne. Thanks, Tracy. (laughs) You're a good partner. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I, I totally focus on the negative and that's something to think about now. Yeah. Oh, and it's going to be really hard for us. Let's be honest. (laughs) I know me. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, we'd love to hear what you think about yelling or not yelling or finding the positive. Uh, Do you think it's possible to not yell? Let us know. We want to hear from you. Check out our Facebook page at Apparently. Yeah. Or give us a call at 331-704-0046. Or email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail.com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Tracy Weiner. And I'm Ann Johnsos. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody's